From the Journal of Father Nahum Zen, Priest of Theos, Order of Archand, Aether 3, 2, 2015, AWS. The month of Aether is determined to remind us how it loves rain. Everything I own is soaked to its very essence. I believe that even my bones are drowned. It is only by the mystical hand of my gnome companion, Tyvir, that I am able to dry my book to write. The winter is behind us and the snow has softened the ground. Theos, in his infinite love for his creatures, has blessed me with a test of sanity. My undergarments are wet and chafe my nethers. His name be praised. We have been on the road now for more than a week, and I am regretting this journey to the western wildland beyond the safe eye of the Crystal Towers of Galen. I left in hope of gaining knowledge in accordance with our Founder's edict. I was excited to see what was beyond the last bastion of civilization. The tales of monsters, barbarians, and small kingdoms, with princesses of marrying age in need of spiritual guidance, one hopes, filled my mind. Instead, what I find is mud. Trees bushes, and mud. Aether 3, 3. More rain, more mud. Theos gave his creatures wine. His name be praised. Without it, I would be mad. To further test my patience and make me a stronger priest, the elf, Renault, won't stop singing and juggling. It was acceptable at first, maybe even impressive given the slickness of the blades he tosses about. However, it has lost its appeal after days of travel. My hatred of his antics is the only thing distracting me from the fact that I have mushrooms growing in my boots. Tyvir and I made it very clear that it would be better to travel in silence at this time. Separately, we announced different reasons to avoid confrontation. I announced a spiritual fast from speaking for the rest of the week. My hope was that Renault would understand that speaking to me would hurt my spiritual fast, and he would have the decency to leave me alone. On the contrary, he took it to mean he could speak and sing ad nausea. Apparently he delights in trying to get me to break my fast, and so he speaks to me more than he does to Divere. One hopes that Theos forgives some light homicide. Aether, three, six. We are trapped in this seemingly endless bog, which I wish I could scrub from my memory. Mosquitoes are plentiful. When I kill one, two more would appear in its place as if the rain was some magical mosquito-breeding elixir. The movement was slow, and we lost a donkey to a broken leg. We split the weight of the supplies on its back and gave the rest to the swamp. After the first day, even Renault lost his pleasant demeanor and we traveled in silence. He was curse me. I long for his songs now. Keeping pace with us through the day were cries. The sounds of children laughing surrounds us with every step. I don't know if they were real or spirits. All I know is the voices never leave us speak to each other in a language I do not know. Tyvir said they were the children of the bog, but I've never heard of living creatures with voices of this kind. 
They speak in high pitches and yet are guttural. With each syllable pronounced in this alien tongue, my stomach tightened. I feel as though I would vomit. I feel a dread I haven't felt since before I went to the orphanage. We agreed not to sleep and travel straight through the bog. Though at night, the voices became stronger. I'm sure that I saw the form of three young girls running through the bog next to me. A mist clung to the brackish water, and it hid the ethereal visages of these young girls. I could see enough of them as they darted in and out of the mist. I swear their eyes were nothing but sockets. Their mouths hung open, motionless maws, even as they talked and laughed. I said nothing, and neither did Renault or Tyvir. The look in my companion's eyes let me know that they had seen these demonic forms as well. The bog is never ending. We are now at camp, if you would call it that. As soon as we found a small island in the middle of this mosquito-infested, rotten, egg-smelling aquatic hell, Renault collapsed and fell asleep. No discussion. He fell to his knees and passed out. Almost three full days without sleep for any of us. This bog is larger than anyone could have estimated. I'm wondering now if Renault is not the skilled outdoorsman he claimed to be. I'm so tired my brain is a smear of thoughts. I made a fire. Divir is trying to study his tome, but he's having trouble with the incantations. The girls are playing. Hide and seek, maybe, through the bog. As a priest of St. Arcond, I am fascinated by these apparitions. They seem to intend us no harm, but their very presence is bone-chilling. Fascinating subjects to study. Knowledge of the unknown is exactly why I wanted to head this expedition. As a man of flesh and bone, I am exhausted. Their voices remind me too much of my youth impressive force which has been sitting on my chest. I find myself coughing and my arms are tingling as though I am having a heart attack. With Theo's help, I have cured myself of any physical ills, yet that force sits on my chest like a boulder. I've agreed to take the first watch so that Tyvir can sleep and I can write. Aether, four, one. I fell asleep on my watch. Theos, forgive me. When I awoke, Renault was gone. Tybir and I had no experience in traveling through such terrain. There is no sign of him. Almost worse yet, there is no sign of the girls. Neither Tybir nor I said as much, but it was clear that these girls, these spirits of the bog, took poor Renault. Theos, forgive me for such a damnable act. Aether, four, two. Praise Theos, we have found shelter. Saint Archon sends his blessing on us as well, for what Tyvir and I have found is not in any book of lore which I've read. After losing Renault, we search the direct area of the bog. With no ability to track on dry land, we were useless trying to find a trail in the water. We called his name, but could do nothing beyond that. We agreed to sit for a few hours and hope for his return. By noon, 
nothing had happened. We guessed at the position of the sun, though it was near impossible to tell in the cloud-infested sky. Rain came down on us and the bog water soaked us from underneath. It was sometime early evening that we discovered the village. Village may be too generous a term. There are three huts, stone foundations, and walls built of old wood, warped and gnarled by the moisture of the bog and time. The most surprising thing is the roofs, which are made of thatching that has not been touched in years, yet no water leaks down. Beyond these astonishing methods of engineering and construction is the true treasure of this little bog island. In the center of the settlement is a large cooking pot. It looks like it was once held up by wooden braces, though they are completely crumbled and degraded with time. The pot rested in the center of a circle of stones worn by the elements. Tybir lifted up the pot to examine it. Underneath was a small stone slab made from alien material. It had clearly been manipulated by tools and held a not-quite-rectangle shape. One side was completely smooth and shone like dark glass. The other side was of the same material, though there were some foreign runes carved into the surface. Neither Tyvir nor I were familiar with the writing. In the center was a bas-relief, an image of a horrific figure. It had the face of an elf whose mouth was open, not unlike the girls I noted. From its eyes protruded long tentacles like the calamari from the Black Sea. Five on one side, four on the other. The elf's face was a mask of pain and horror. What was this image? Was it their god? Was it a curse? A warning of some kind? I find a village so strangely preserved, yet so dilapidated, with this rather complex piece of stoneworking on an alien material is fascinating. If I weren't so tired, I would spend my time with the stone now. Given my exhaustion, I've allowed Tyvir to take the stone to his hut. I cannot express how joyous it is to have my own space. After just a few days of traveling, to be alone is a blessing. My hands are trembling as I write this, and only chanting the Natalian Creed has given me the presence I need to document what just happened to me. I was fast asleep in my hut when I felt a presence near me. It held the same oppressive weight I felt in the bog. This weight woke me up, and I jerked up trying to throw this ethereal presence off my chest. There, in the darkness, stood Renault. Only it wasn't Renault. Make no mistake, it was his form. He was slowly repeating that song he would sing, though the words were now foreign. The voice was his, but... It was another voice filled with violence mirroring Renault. An infernal harmony oozed from his mouth. I tried to light a torch, but my hand shook. In the glints of the flint and steel, I could see his face. His eyes were hollow, like the girls in the bog. From inside the abyssal sockets, a third voice came. It was deep, and I felt him grab my chest like a freezing vice, crushing my heart. I felt death. It was the same dread I felt on my chest in the bog when the girls sang. It, it was the same feeling sitting on my chest. It was the same feeling I had when I was a child. And my mother fell ill when she died. 
when I walked in her room to see her looking asleep, but not asleep, her skin like wax, her mouth hanging open as if she were snoring but with a thick dry tongue hanging out of her lips. Mother was gone and this husk, this doppelganger lay there in her place, in her bed. When I held her and wept, she did not move to comfort me. That lack of comfort, that lack of a hug from my mother's waxy dead arms enfolded my heart. The demonic voices rose to a crescendo. I invoked the name of Theos to fight off this spirit. Then I was alone. I am alone. Crying, weeping uncontrollably. I must find Tyvere. We must leave this place. Aether 5-3 The events of the last few days will have to be taken from my memory. I must admit to it still being a smear. Even as I'm beginning to write this, I feel my stomach drop and my limbs tingle. A tightness in my throat like a constrictor. If it weren't for the kindness of the people of this small community of Ash Hollow, I would surely be dead. How I made it this many days wandering through the bog is unknown to me. I have little to no memory of it, so I shall try and write what I can recall. After Renault disappeared from my room, I quickly wrote what I saw so I wouldn't forget. I praise Theos for this, as reading over my journal has allowed me to remember the events of what happened next. I knew that calling to Tyvere would be of no benefit to either of us. I gathered my equipment, and with my blade in my hand, I snuck out of the hut with as much stealth as I could muster. The laughing voices of the spirit girls of the bog invaded my ears. My skin crawled, and I gripped my sword with such tension that my palm is still bruised. The voices were closer, more real than the previous nights. The rotten egg smell of a bog was masked by the smell of burning meat. I could feel my dinner of jerked venison start to come up, the bile burning in my throat as it crawled toward the back of my tongue. With the power of Theos, I kept myself from retching and swallowed the meat-filled vomit. In the center of the settlement was the intricately carved stone Tyvere found earlier. It was standing up straight and the bas-relief image was aglow with an energy unlike anything I'd ever seen. Behind the sun was a large fire and four figures standing around it. Three women stood over six feet tall. Their hairs were long rats' nests of twigs and matted with mud. They were nude except for a cloth worn around their waist like skirts made of rags. Their emaciated torsos were jagged, rib cages covered with a dry leather skin. Above their heads, their thin arms were extended to the sky, singing in some words in their sing-song language. The only parts of their body which weren't thin was their stomachs, which were completely distended. Their faces were gaunt and their mouths hung open. Their eye sockets were filled with the same energy which was on the stone. From their maws emanated the voices I had been familiar with in the bog. Attached now to these creatures instead of the spirit disturbed me even more. Fourth figure was Tyvere. Now stripped of his shirt, there were runes written on his skin in paint, blood, and mud. He stood cruciform in front of the fire, 
No longer enamored with these three women, I could see that he was tied in that position. His arms were propped up on two wooden planks and tied by thick rope. Blood oozed from his wrists as he fought the bindings. His mouth was open. His screams were overwhelmed by the singing of the three women. Their chanting came to a harmonious dark note. I found myself frozen. I wanted to move. I wanted to move to save Tyvir or at least myself. I couldn't. I couldn't scream. I couldn't wipe the tears from my cheeks. A fifth figure formed from the darkness and stood in front of Tyvir. It was Renault, as he had appeared in my room, and his three voices joined the three voices of the women. Tyvir called out Renault's name. He asked for help, for forgiveness, for his life. Renault's chanting did not cease. Arms raised above his head, the three voices coming from Renault harmonized with the three voices of the women. The carved stone was now floating in the air, and the image of the bas-relief seemed to be chanting along with them. From my vantage, I could not see Renault's face, but I could see the three muscular, mucus-covered tendrils, not unlike the image on the stone coming from Renault's eyes. The tendrils reached out and surrounded Tiber's head. My companion screamed so loudly that the singing was almost drowned out. The tendrils forced their way into Tyvir's mouth and the glowing energy pulsated through them. Floating stone was vibrating. A dark energy ripped the stone apart as the energy thrusting from the stone chilled me. I heard a seventh voice coming from the stone, singing a deep baritone in harmony with the others. This time, I lost my control. And the venison and bile erupted from my mouth. I am no hero, nor have I ever claimed to be. My reason for leaving the comfort of my home in Kalandor is officially so I can gain knowledge for the glory of Theos. In reality, it's because I want to discover what I can and be praised for that discovery. Heroics lead to dangerous situations, and dangerous situations lead to death. Dead people gain no notoriety. I mentioned this to say that my actions had to be led by an outside force. To my core, I am not aligned with those actions. With a scream, I raised my blade and I ran toward Renault. It was as though I was watching myself. How and why was I doing this? I drew back the blade to plant it in Renault's back. The point of the blade pricked the dark cloth of his cloak. Then I was face to face with Tyvir. I could see the panic in his eyes as the blood spewed from his mouth. He looked down in terror. I followed his eyes and saw that my blade had run him through. He looked up at me questioning until the light left his eyes. In a split second, he had the same eyes that I saw on my mother that day when I was a boy. Thanks forgive me for killing that man trying to do your will but it ended in disaster Renault said something in that tritone voice behind Tyvir I screamed and yanked my blade from Tyvir's belly Renault's face was as before in the hut this time however there were seven calamari like tendrils coming from his vacant eye sockets there was a rictus on his face unlike anything I had ever seen I screamed, and I swear I heard the voices of Renault laugh. 
Six hands grabbed me and pulled me toward the fire. The energy from the stone was now engulfing me. Their song was cacophonous. The pulsing of the energy matched with my heartbeat pounding in my ears. I was no longer in that small settlement. I was in a long tunnel surrounded by that energy, surrounded by that song. A castle-sized, oozing, erupting pustule hung before me in this infinite, pulsing energy. It was the source of the energy and the song, yet it fed off of it. The only humanoid-like feature it possessed was a large smile filled with a million small teeth. A smile like the rictus on Renault's mouth. Thousands of calamari-like tendrils unrolled from the creature's tongue. Nayam, a voice said, a voice of warmth, the voice of someone who lived only in my memories. There was my mother. She smiled. Tears filled my eyes, and for the first time that evening it was due to joy. I was ten years old again, and my mother wrapped me in her arms. She picked me up and held me on her hip as she had done so often in my youth. She smelled like lilacs and her arms were both loving and protective. Mommy, I said over and over again, sobbing. I could see the tears of joy in her eyes as well. How long we embraced, I'm not sure. It was not long enough for me. I have to go, my son. No, I cried. Not again. I will be able to see you again, Nahum. We will be able to live the life we never have. You just have to do something first. Anything, Mommy. And so she told me. And so I agreed. When I came to, I was no longer in the settlement. I was on a small island in the bog. I made my way through the bog, and as I said, I do not remember for how long or how I came to this small village. Was the woman I met my mother literally? I don't know. I do know that she was real to me. When she held me and I held her, it was the happiest I had been since I lost her. Regardless, if I do my service, I will be with her again. I will have that happiness again. Theos may forgive me, and he may not. I do not care, for I have found a master who has promised me something Theos never could. The people of Ash Hollow will not suffer. They will experience the same joy I have. The stone which I buried in the foundation of their church will bring them joy. The same joy it brought me. From there, I will continue west as my new master demands. Through the church of Theos, my new lord's fulfillments of personal joy will be spread. May the lord from beyond bless us all. Thanks for listening to our first Patreon release, Behind the Lore, Salvation in the Bog. 
thank you all so much for for being our patrons we really appreciate you and, and we're really excited for the new line of extra content that's coming your way so um i think next is going to be sam with some uh miniature painting video so you'll see that shortly and then ben will have some art that'll actually be um coming out soon and so we're we'll requesting some some addresses and things like that if you want to share it then you can actually have a print um and we'll find out more about Dulod. we're gonna have some general rpg discussions among the cast itself and um yeah just a, a lot of good stuff coming your way so once again Thank you for being one of our patrons. We really appreciate you. We love you. We couldn't do this without you. And we'll see you next time. Salvation in the Bog is written, performed, and edited by Alexander Floyd. Sound effects from zapsplat.com and freesound.org. Please check the show notes for further details. 